couple of weeks ago, uh, I mentioned at Mass here that, uh, actually, I, over Thanksgiving, I was out, in, uh, out east in Shelter Island. My mom's got a house out there, and I, I was saying um, that I went for a walk with my dog. And uh, in the course of this walk, I got lost. I, uh, it's kind of crazy. It's, uh, I didn't even really go that far, but I just sort of got, uh, I lost my bearings. It's a little bit of a confusing area. Um, it's not the house or the neighborhood that I grew up in, so it's not really that familiar. At any rate, it was still kind of lame. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I, maybe I walked a mile and a mile or a mile and a half. And at any rate, I, I had to, I had my phone. So I took out my phone and I, I used, I took, put the GPS on and that's how I, that's how actually I got, I found the house. Um, anyway, after mentioning that at mass, somebody emailed me this article about uh, GPS and uh, sort of like the effects of GPS, uh, the good and the bad, the pluses and the minuses. And I mean, the pluses are kind of obvious. Um, they're accurate. <laughs> you know, they can tell you pretty much to the minute when you're going to arrive in a place. Before GPS, I mean, it was all, it was all estimate, right? Um, this tells you exactly when. And it's also accurate in that it's like very... Uh, in the moment, you know, if there's a, if there's traffic on the on the, the, the road that you're on, it'll tell you to get off and, and it'll give you an alternative. So it just does things, GPS, it does things that maps just don't do. Um, but it also mentioned some negatives, which are kind of interesting. Um, basically, one is that like we're just we we become too dependent on it, and uh, it's. The GPS usually is battery dependent. So if the battery goes, you can be in trouble. I mean, I've had it happen where, um, I, not so much that the battery died, but I lost the signal. So I'm going somewhere and I'm not making any really mental note of kind of like where I am and then bam, out of nowhere, it stops working. So I'm kind of like, I don't know where you're going at that point. Um, and there's other privacy issues. You can be tracked where you're going, where you've been with GPS. Certainly that could be a problem. And it also just said it practically is distracting. Like you can be too hung up on the device while you're driving the car and you're taking your, your eyes off the road. But I was thinking, here's another one. If this wasn't on the list, this is mine. And it's more of a symbolic. Um, I think there's almost got like spiritual implications. I think because of GPS and our dependency, or at least for many of us, our dependency on it, we've become less good at finding things. Because somebody else, something else just does the work for you. They tell you where to go and, and when to go. Pre-GPS, like you kind of had to figure it out. So we're just not as good at finding stuff. And I think for kids, it's even worse. You know, if you're a, a high school senior and you just got your license and you've always had a, you've only known the reality of GPS, they're terrible kids at figuring out how to get somewhere on their own. Most of them. Tell a kid to go north on the Meadowbrook 
or east on the LIE, and they don't know what you're talking about. North, east, like they don't, usually some device is telling them where to go. One of my nephews, um, I may have mentioned this before, he's a, a retired Navy SEAL. His name is Patrick. And uh, I saw him at Christmas, and we were, at one point he was, we were talking, he was talking about his experience uh, training as a SEAL. And he uh, was telling me about uh, this experience he had. He was in Alaska in January. <laughs> and it was the worst winter in 30 years. Four feet of snow, 25 degrees below zero, and he was dumped in the woods um, for five days. And he basically was told, you're here and you need to get there within five days. You gotta survive and you gotta figure out how to get there. No GPS. They gave him maps and a compass. So needless to say, Patrick is uh, pretty good at finding things. But I think he's probably the exception. And I'm not really talking though about finding a place. Today I'm talking about finding a, a person, finding God. How good are we at finding God? Look at this gospel, this feast day, the epiphany. Isn't it all about searching for God, ultimately finding God? I think it's really about the search, and it's these wise men. You know, why are these guys called wise men? Well, we know something about them, not a lot, but we know that they were kind of important, and we know that they had influence, and they had money, and they were pretty educated. So they had a lot. Like, they kind of had the stuff that you'd hope your kid would have, right? Kind of the important things in life. But, and I think this is what made them wise. They knew, like, yeah, we got this stuff. We got the money, we got the, we got the gifts, we got the... You know, we got the power and the influence, but we don't have God. Like, God's missing. And in their wisdom, they recognize that, and they go searching for God. That's why I think they're a model. They absolutely should be a model for us. Because they're looking for God. And we should always be doing the same thing. We find them, but then we lose them or he becomes harder to see and recognize. I mean, it's, it's the question they ask, where is the newborn king of the Jews? In other words, where is God? And we know they find them. We just heard it in the gospel. But we also know this, what they found was not what they were expecting. They were expecting someone else looking very different. I mean, God is almost always a surprise, I think. We expect one thing of God, and a lot of times we get something else. You know what I think is sort of proof of that? These wise men. Look at the gifts. Look at the gifts they brought for God. We've known this since grade school. You know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? This is a newborn baby. 
They bring in gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Like, how about a stuffed animal? Or a toy of some kind? Or a rattle? What's a brand new baby going to do with frankincense? That's kind of a strange gift to present to a newborn baby. Here's the point. I think they weren't expecting a newborn baby. They thought they were going to come, they were going to find this king sitting on a throne. And that you bring gold and frankincense and myrrh to. You're not going to bring a, a teddy bear to a king on a throne. But a baby? I think a teddy bear is more in line. He's not what they expected. God, God rarely is, I think. So be ready for the surprises. That's the point. Be ready to be surprised by God and to recognize the surprises. Anybody's seen, um, this movie came out, I think about within the last month. It's called uh, Being the Ricardos. Anybody see it? Wow, I don't think anybody. Um, I saw it a couple of nights ago. It's kind of interesting. It was about, uh, it's about the show, I Love Lucy, the Ricardos, you know, Lucy and Ricky Ricardo. Um, it takes place in uh, one week in the 1950s during the, the filming of this show, Nicole Kidman plays Lucy. It got pretty good reviews. I was kind of, I wanted to see it. Um, but it's not really about the TV show. It's really about Lucille Ball and her marriage, her, her not good marriage to Desi Arnaz. Um, he, was a, he was a big drinker and he was a womanizer and she knew it. She just wanted this family. She wanted sort of a, some semblance of a normal family. In fact, you know, this was all part of the show, uh, the movie, uh, you know, I Love Lucy, the, the origin of it was actually like a radio program, pre-TV. And then they, CBS wanted to adapt it for television. But on the radio program, her husband was, uh, wasn't Ricky Ricardo, it was some American guy. And she said, well, if we're going to go to TV, I want, I want Desi, my husband, to play my husband. And the studio and the, the, the sponsors were like, no way, he's a Cuban immigrant. Like, there's no way we're going to, we want an American couple. And she said, well, I don't get him, you don't get me. Well, the rest is history. They accepted it, and it became this sort of legendary show. Um, but it's about their relationship, her desire to, to have him close because she didn't really trust him. So I was expecting, I was sort of surprised by the movie. I mean, it was good. But I was expecting like a, sh a movie about the show. <laughs> It's not. It's a movie about the people who made the show. It wasn't what I expected. It was kind of dark. I was expecting some version of I Love Lucy. But it's not what I got. It's not what I expected. So I stopped watching it. Like three quarters through, I was getting tired. And it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be, so I turned it off. And I went to bed. And then I woke up, and I'm like, 
I got to watch the end of this movie. Because it, was, it, was, it wasn't like a, it was well done. I just wasn't what I kind of wanted. So I watched it the next day. And it got better. At least in my mind, it did. Maybe it always was better. Maybe it was me. Because I, I was expecting something different. And then I kind of walked away from it. I just had to see it kind of like in a different light. Sort of like I had to go searching for something. I think people do that with God a lot. We don't get what we expected, so we turn it off. We turn God off. We all know people who've just sort of checked out because life didn't go the way they expected. And somehow along the way, they, they blame God for it. So they're done with God. They're done with church. But how sad is that? Like, they just, they missed it. It's like giving a baby frankincense. They just didn't see it right. You know what I think we need to do is re refine the search for God. Get better at seeing God in our lives. Not necessarily the life we planned or the life we wanted or the life we deserve, the life that we've got. And seeing God in, in, the, in the light and in the dark. Where do the Greek wise men find ultimately God? In the dark. It's this light, but it's at night. I just think God often surprises us. And if we forget that or we don't believe that, then we get completely rattled when we're surprised. Look at your life. Take a look at, think about your life. Think of like chapters of your life. Something happened. Something big happened. Something unexpected or unwanted or undeserved happened. And it seemed like God was absent. Some terrible loss of some kind. And that could, loss can play out in a million ways. It doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to be just the death of a person, although certainly that. Maybe it's a loss of health, the loss of a relationship, some hurt, some failure, some, you know, unfulfilled dream. It's like, man, it's not like it didn't quite play out the way I thought and I hoped and I planned. But then in the course of that, something happens. Somebody shows up and they say something to you. And it's exactly what you needed to hear. It's like God put the right words into the, the mouth of that person. God sent that person. Or God turns you to a, a circumstance. Then you, you realize in the midst of the darkness and the disappointment, like, wait a minute, God is here. God never left. In fact, strangely enough, God was more here in the surprise than he was in what the expected stuff. God's always here. Sometimes he's just harder to find. You brought frankincense to a baby shower? Sometimes we just get it wrong. So look for God in the surprises. 
Expect them in the unexpected.